Numbers 24. I started this many weeks ago, and we've had several preachers come and fill the pulpit, and I've been thankful for that. And uh, God's interrupted a few of our services, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, I'm thankful that God still is mindful of his people. Amen. But we're going to try to endeavor to maybe finish this portion of this lesson tonight and go on to another place the next time around. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 24 through verses, verse 28, the Bible says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that, we see not. Then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. How many of you have ever been there before? You're praying, you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be praying for. I've been there. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession For us, with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Because he maketh intercession. Everybody say intercession. For the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray for those that are sick, but also pray for our hearts and our minds tonight that the Word of God could penetrate our hearts tonight. Can we do that, Lord? We love you. God, I thank you for your grace and mercy. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And God, I'm asking right now, Lord, that you would reach down in every home that there's sickness. God, I pray that you would allow your healing mercy to flow. God, let them feel the very touch of heaven right now as we pray for them. God, I'm asking, Lord Jesus, that you would heal them all, Lord. God, we want to come together. We want to worship together this weekend. God, and I pray that you would bind our hearts together. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, we exalt you and we magnify you. Take this word tonight, God, and plant it in my heart. Let my heart be fertile soil. God, that would be good ground that your word could grow up, Lord, and be life-changing for me. We thank you for your goodness today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Well, a few weeks ago, we started talking about prayer. And we talked about how that prayer should be a priority. And how that prayer is not an option in our life. Amen. Prayer is something that we need to have more of as each day goes by. There's, I, I, I preached on that a few weeks ago, all right? So just go back and listen to what I had to say. I want to get to where I, I left off the other day. Amen. But God desires that we commune with Him. God desires that we don't just have one-way conversations or one-sided conversations. We need to be able to allow him to speak back to us. Amen. It's imperative that when we come before the Lord that we don't just puke out on him all the things that we think is necessary in life and then we don't give him enough time to answer us back. 
Amen. And sometimes that answer, those answers come when you're reading the Word of God. Sometimes those answers come when you're just meditating on what you've been talking to the Lord about. Amen. One man once said that, that, you, that to be saved, that you need to pray at least three hours in a day. He believed it so vehemently. He believed it so strongly that he said, you know, if you're not praying three hours in the day, you're not even going to make it to heaven. I'm not advocating the three hours today. But what I am advocating, if you're not praying every day, I don't know how you're planning on making it to heaven. Amen. I don't know how you're going to face the trials that life brings you if you're not praying every day. If you're not seeking the face of God every day. Amen. Some of us wonder why we, can't, we, we find ourselves slipping backwards. And I can tell you this much. If you're not praying, you're going to end up slipping. Amen. It's what gives you the strength. To get, it's what gives you the traction to move forward. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I said this a few weeks ago, and I'm going to, I, I bears repeating, but that is, if you're standing still, if you're not moving forward in your walk with God, look, in, 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 in my opinion, I'm going to make that very clear, in my opinion, if you're not moving forward in God, that means you're going the opposite direction. Because in order to stay in tune with God, you've got to be moving with God. God sure isn't stopping. God sure isn't. He ain't pulling the reins up and saying, hey, well, wait a minute, we're going to stop for a little while. No, he's got a mission to accomplish. And in order for us to continue walking with God and not what we understand as backsliding, look, if you're standing still, you're, you're backsliding from God because he's still moving and you're not moving. Amen. It's that simple, folks. So it's important that I'm constantly reaching out to God. You say, well, you know, I pray, I've prayed for years, every day. Look, let me tell you something. I have seen some of the most praying people walk out on God. Why? Why? Because at some point, their prayer wasn't changing them. Their prayer wasn't allow. they weren't allowing God to work on them while they were praying. At some point, a prayer, their prayer life became one-sided. And they didn't allow God to do what he wanted. You know, it, it's, it's imperative that we allow God to work in our hearts. Amen. We're going to get into, into some things here tonight that I, I really felt strong in my heart a few weeks ago. Still feel it strong in my heart. And I think even after we've experienced the things that we've experienced over the past few weeks. Amen. The, the attacks that we felt from, from the enemy in these services. The, the attacks that you have felt in your own homes, amen, from the effects of the enemy. You know why you're feeling these effects? Is simply this. God has told us he set before us an open door. God has set a promise time and time again in the last month to this church that God's about to do some great things. And the enemy, if you don't believe it, the enemy believes it, and it's evident to me that he believes it because of the things that we're dealing with. In the last few weeks, let me tell you something. God knows what he's doing, folks. We've got to have faith in God. Amen. Praise God. I'm stressing tonight that we need prayer in our lives. We're not going to see revival if we're not praying. We're not going to see change in our life if we're not praying. We're not going to see people's lives changed if we're not praying. Amen. Let me tell you, there are folks out there that are longing 
to change their life. And they're endeavoring to change their life on their own ability and on their own willpower. But let me tell you something. I I have told several different people over the last few weeks, hey, I'm praying for you so that you can overcome this situation. And you know what? I'm not just praying God deliver them from whatever is binding them, but I'm asking God this question. God, will you please deliver them and make it evident that it was you that gave them the strength to overcome their addiction and their, their, their bondage? Amen. God is able. Does anybody believe that tonight? God is able. Hallelujah. We've seen it too many times. Amen. I've seen it too many times. I know God still can. If you want to, God will. If you believe he can, he will. Amen. Praise God. What I want to stress today is we've got to pray often. And that prayer's got to change us. It's got to change us. Amen. I've heard the saying say, if your religion's not changing you, you need to change religions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tag on to that. If, if your prayer life's not changing you, you need to change up your prayer life somehow. You need to go a little bit deeper than normal. Amen. There, there comes a time where some babies, some babies, they know how to talk. My nephew, my nephew, uh, little, little uh, Grant, I, the other day, uh, a few months, a few weeks ago, actually, he was at my mom's house and He's there, and, and, and then Brother Self's child, little Ollie, was at our house. And they're about, they're about what, 9, 10, 11 months apart, somewhere in that range. And I tell you what, Ollie, he's talking away. He's talking away. You can understand everything. And little Grant, he's over there. He's still, he's still trying to formulate his words. He's tr- still trying to make them out in such a way that we all can understand. Mama understands it. Daddy understands him, but nobody else was really catching on to what he was saying. But the other day, my sister posted a video, and I asked the question when he was here with Brother Ollie there at Mom Mama's house, and I said, how much older is Ollie than, than Grant? They told me, I, I can't remember, they told me an exact month. And I, I said, all right. And it, I, I marked it up in my mind, and it wasn't because I'm, I'm challenging my nephew I just want to see how life works, okay? And I, and I noticed the other day, I don't know if you saw it the other day, but he clearly said guitar when, he, when, when his mom asked him what he was doing. And he held up. He said, guitar, mama, guitar. And I said, all right. It's been not even a month since she's been here, I don't think. And I can already see how his little mind is evolving and his, and, his, and his ability to speak out what he's trying to get across is, is coming up. And, you know, Ollie's not, just because Ollie can speak out and he can speak out clearly doesn't mean that Grant is coming up short. No, in just a few months, at that age, it means everything. And I'm telling you, folks, you say, what are you talking about all that for? I want you to listen. Maybe I'm too elementary in my thinking in this, but I want you to consider this. When you first get the Holy Ghost, you're learning 
to talk and to walk in the kingdom of God. And every baby that is born into this kingdom and into this world, rather, he must be fed first with the milk. The scripture tells us that at first we're going to have to have the milk of the word. What's that? Well, that's repentance. That's baptism in Jesus' name. That's the understanding that I've got to change. But something's got to change. When, in fact, most of the people that I, I have seen get the Holy Ghost have rarely prayed in their lifetime for the first time. They come to an altar. They don't know what to say. Sometimes I even stop them and begin to talk to them and explain to them, hey, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to pray. This is how you need to talk to the Lord. Then God fills them with the Holy Ghost. And they start from what the preacher talked to them about in the altar. And they take that and they take it home. And before long, Brother Blue, they're not just saying what they've been told at one point in time but their heart begins to just reach out to God and they begin to talk to the Lord. What I'm saying is sometimes, sometimes, some people, some of us, I'm going to put myself in there. We take a little bit more long, longer, we take a little bit more time to develop. All right? I'm talking spiritually. Some of us do. Some people, Sister Rini, I've seen them. They come in. My goodness, they're full of faith. They're winning people left and right. My goodness, and you, you're wondering what in the world. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's a beautiful thing. But Brother Darren, I've watched so many of those guys that sprout up and go gung-ho, and they're on fire for God. Something happened, never happened in their life. They stayed busy reaching the lost. They stayed busy going out knocking doors. They stayed busy teaching Bible studies. But, Brother Darren, there's one thing they didn't stay busy doing, and that was praying and developing their ability to talk to God effectively. Let me tell you something. You can do all of the things that people can see on the outside, but until you learn how to find a place to pray and effectively talk with God and allow God's word and his, and his spirit to change you during a time of prayer and consecration unto the Lord, amen, you're not going to be changed. And you're not going to last. Amen. You've got to have a prayer life in your life. Amen. We've discussed worship over the last several weeks. And, and we've talked about door knocking. And we've talked about all of these things. But let me tell you something. If we do all of those things and we're not praying like we should be praying. Amen. We're not going to amount to hardly anything except for a loud and boisterous church that has no power whatsoever. In fact, there was, a, there was a prophecy in the early days of the 1900s, right after Azusa Street. And somebody wrote this prophecy down. I don't, I'm going to probably butcher it up just a little bit. But, but the effect of it was this. There will come a day where the church is praising a God whom they don't pray to. 
there's going to come a day. And my friend, if, we're, if there was ever a day of that prophecy, today is that day. There's churches all across the nation that they come and they praise and they get their dance on and they get, they get their song on and all that wonderful stuff. They feel good when they leave the house of the Lord. But when they go home, nothing changed. Amen. Something about a good old-fashioned altar service. Amen. After the preached word of God goes forth. Uh, let me tell you something. There's nothing in this world that can replace an old-fashioned altar service. Uh, amen. These conferences that I tried to, to encourage you to go to. Let me tell you something. The, the highlight of those services that, that we, are, we are going to. It's not the worship before the preaching. Amen. Although it's good and it's, it's right and it's beautiful. But let me tell you something. It's the word of God going forth and spending hours after the preacher finishes in the altar seeking the face of God. Amen. Let me tell you something. That's the kind of atmosphere that I want to be in. That's the kind of atmosphere I, wanna, in, I want to, to, to build in this church. Amen. That's what you call a culture of life. Amen. If, if you want something that you can ch- that can change you, you're going to ha- you're going to find it in this altar. Amen. If if you need something that can help you, you're going to find it in the altar. Amen. The word of God is going to stir up the faith that's in you and then you find a place to pray and you can apply the faith to your prayer life. Let me tell you something, your life will never be the same again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Door knocking, witnessing, worship, praise, fasting, Bible reading. All of those things are necessary in our walk with God. But without prayer, they will be of none effect because we're not lining ourselves up. We're not talking to the author of the word of God. We're not talking to the spirit that can replace the, the flesh that we're dying out to. Hallelujah. I, I, don't, I don't have time to get down into all of that. But, but all of this is entrenched in prayer. Amen. If you don't have prayer, you have nothing in your life. Amen. This is what keeps the blood, the life blood pumping through your spiritual man. Amen. This is the heartbeat that keeps you alive every day that you live. Amen. If you find yourself slipping up into some temptation, let me tell you something. All you need to do is find a place to pray. Amen. Open the word of God and allow him to speak to you. Hallelujah. Amen. With every way of temptation, he maketh a way of escape. Hallelujah. Amen. We've got to understand that all of the things that I've, I've mentioned are necessary. Amen. But we need prayer. We need prayer. I can't emphasize it enough. We need prayer. We need prayer. Hallelujah. There's something I want to I want to introduce you tonight. I don't know if I'll get much further past this, but I'm going to try. Amen. But this is what's been eating me up for quite some time. And that is God takes notice of those who are intercessors. He marks them and he protects them from the attacks of the enemy. If you don't believe what I'm saying, I want you to open your Bible to Ezekiel chapter number 9. And I'm going to read to you some scripture from this passage. Hebrew, Ezekiel chapter 9, verses 4 through 6. The Bible says this to us. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men 
that sigh and that cry for all of the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Sounds an awful like, like intercessory prayer to me. Amen. Ezekiel is seeing a vision from the Lord. And as he is seeing this vision, the Lord is speaking to him. And he said unto him, the Lord said unto this angel, he said, I want you to go. And, and I, I tell you, the Israel was, was sinning at this point in time. There was a lot of junk going on in, the, in, in, that, in that country. Amen. And the Lord was sick and tired of his people turning their back on him. And he said, look, I'm going to judge those who are abiding in sin. Amen. But I want you first to do something, angels. I want you to go throughout the land, and I want you to find those that are praying, those that are interceding, and those that are praying and seeking for the abominations of the land to go out. In verse 5, he said, and to the other angels, he said this, in my hearing, Go ye after him through the city. After the angel marks those who are interceding on behalf of those that are sinning, Sister Rini. Amen. That's important. Amen. We need some intercessors. We need people who are willing to cry out, to, to sigh and to cry with groanings that cannot be uttered. We need people that are willing to cry out to God for the sinners of this world. Amen. Because if you don't, who will? Amen. Who, who's going to pray for those? that you love that need the Holy Ghost who's going to pray for those that you the, those are your friends that you, you want to see filled with the Holy Ghost but you have the power to see this transpire hallelujah praise God and he said this to the others after he sent the angels to mark them that were interceding in verse 5 he said unto the others go ye after him through the city and I want you to smite Everybody say smite. And let not your eyes spare, neither have your pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house. Man, there's so much here that I could unpack tonight. I don't have time to do it, but I want you to understand something. Here in this scripture, he said, I want you to utterly destroy the old and the young who are sinning in my house. Amen. He said, I want you to begin at the church house. I want you to begin in the sanctuary. Those who think they're doing okay, but they're out there sinning on a regular basis, I want you to start smiting those that are living a hypocritical life in the house of God. And I want you to judge them. You say, well, God's not a judgmental God. Well, God, when he comes his time and he gets fed up with enough of our nonsense, he's going to say, hey, it's time for you to either repent or pay for what you have done. Amen. And you know what? Uh, amen. The, the wages of sin is death. Uh, amen. And these people met their demise that day, Brother Darren. Amen. And let me tell you something. As the Holy Ghost uh, began to orchestrate something here in the, in the land of Israel and the man of God began to see what the Lord was saying. Uh, amen. I can no doubt. Uh, amen. If I was Ezekiel, I would be finding me a place uh, to make sure I was one of the ones uh, sighing and crying on the behalf of those 
those that were making abominations in the land of Israel. Amen. I want the mark of God on my head. I want the protection of God upon my life. And the only way that I can find in the scripture in order for me to make sure everything's going to be all right is for me to be an intercessor before the Lord. It's your prayer. It's your prayer life. It's the things that God has called you to. Amen. Every child of God has a calling from heaven, and that is to be an intercessor. Amen. You say, I can't be used of God in the kingdom of God. I beg to differ with you, my friend. All I can say is if there is nothing else that God can use you in, I can promise you my God can use you in intercessory prayer. Amen. God can use you in a prayer room somewhere. Amen. When people walk through the back door, they need to hear the voice of some people crying unto the Lord. Amen. You say, man, that, that might scare some people off. I'll tell you what, I've never seen it scare one person off. It scares, the, it scares the wrong people off. Amen. It scares the people off that, that came in to, to cause mischief. Amen. But when the people that come in with a pure heart and they, they desire the love of God and they want more of the kingdom of God. Amen. When they come in and they feel. Amen. The, the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There was somebody here one night. Amen. And I, I love to hear Brother Douglas Goff praying. Amen. I love to hear his moaning out there when he was just, just trying to get a hold of God. Amen. You can hear him in the background. Oh, God. Oh, God. Amen. You begin to hear him. And I had somebody come up to me one service, and they said, hey, who is that man? Who is that man? And they told me. They began to tell me. They said, hey, Pastor, I know when I walked in, I felt something different than I've felt in a long time. Amen. And it all came because somebody was in that back corner just crying out, oh, God, help us tonight. Oh, God, give us strength tonight. Help us to find you tonight. Amen. Let me tell you something. It does people good to hear the saints of heaven, amen, begin to cry unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. That's why it's important. I, I believe that it's important that we never, we never lose sight of pre-service prayer. Amen. I'm going to consistently, I'm going to consistently remind us, amen, that we need to be at the church early praying for a service. Why? Because we need to get a hold of God. Amen. There's too many things that go through our mind every day. And on Wednesdays, let me tell you something. We've done gone through Monday and we've gone through Tuesday and we've gone through Wednesday, and I do my best to get off of my off of my out of my office chair by three o'clock so I can go get my head cleared. And guess what? Today it didn't happen. Amen. I was right up until four thirty, and and I was like, "All right, God, you're going to have to help me." And I'm just in there, in, and I'm praying, and I'm trying to get some things organized. And and I got up here to the church, and guess what, Sisterini? God met me here. Amen. I went into that other room over there. Amen. And I just walked around and I could feel the glory of God. I feel him right here, right now. Amen. I feel him calling us to a new place in the Holy Ghost. If we'll just answer the call of heaven. Amen. Praise God. An intercessor is necessary. I said an intercessor is necessary. Amen. The definition of interceding is to intervene between two parties with a view to reconciling differences or to mediate. Amen. That's what intercessory means. 
to intercede on behalf of somebody. Amen. Some of us have had attorneys have to intercede on our behalf before a judge. Or mediate is the term that most folks use in this day and age. But intercessory, um, intercessory prayer is simply you mediating between God and those you're praying for. You're talking to God. God, let me tell you something. I'm going to go through some examples tonight of some intercessors. And I want you to see what's happening in each of these situations. Most of these men did not have the Holy Ghost. In fact, I would say... It, I, 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 let me get down to the end and, and I'll let you know if all of them don't but, but all of these men we've always looked up to through the scripture and they did it without the Holy Ghost they developed a relationship with God without the Holy Ghost that's the power of God inside of you they had all they had was faith all they had was faith to go by Amen. I don't have time to get into it, but you can get into Hebrews chapter 11, and God tells us about all the things that they faced, but they did it by faith. And at the end, he says, And all of these, having not the promise, what promise? The promise of the Holy Ghost. And then in chapter 12, he says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Who were the witnesses? It was all of them that walked by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. That's what the Bible tells me. Amen. And I, I, wanted to, I wanted to just go through some of these guys, and I want you to look at what God did because they decided to step in and intercede on somebody else's behalf. I want you to see these things. Abraham. Abraham. He had such a relationship with God that God stopped by Abraham's house. And had a discussion with Abraham about what he was about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham began to talk to God. And he began to haggle with the Lord. And he began to ask the Lord to do a few things. Genesis chapter 18 verses 20 through 21. The Bible tells us, and the Lord said... Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. But Abraham began to negotiate with God. You look in Genesis chapter 18, verse 23. And Abraham drew near, and he said this, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, there be 50 righteous in that city. Will you destroy and not spare the place for 50 righteous that are in there? And the Lord said, yeah, I'll spare Sodom and Gomorrah if there are 50 righteous people in that city. That's, that's huge. There's just 50 righteous people in the city of Gomorrah and Sodom. And Moses, I'm sorry, and Abraham 
realized God wasn't changing his mind. And he went from 50 people, Brother Blue, all the way to 10. He went, God, well, if there be 40 righteous, will you spare them? God said, for 40 righteous, I'll spare it. And Abraham said, well, for 30, will you spare it? And he went, 20, God, will you spare it? And God said, yeah, I'll spare it. And then Abraham said this, will you spare it if there are 10 righteous people? Now, I don't know this for a fact, but I want you to ride with me for just a minute. Think about this. Why did Abraham stop at 10 people? You ever thought about it? Why is he even bartering with God to find out if he would save that city? Because he knows lots there. Okay? Now think about this with me. He knew it was a stretch for 50. He knew it was a stretch for 20, 30, and 40. But he didn't think it was a stretch for 10. Because he stopped. He was just thinking about Lot and his family. Now think about it with me now. There's Lot and his wife. His three daughters. Three son, two son-in-laws. And possibly there was some grandbabies maybe. They were old enough. That's speculation on my part. But Abraham thought there was at least ten righteous people. When in reality, there were four only. And one of them turned her back. And only three made it out. Because she loved. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think it was that Lot's wife loved Sodom and Gomorrah so much that she turned around to go back? No. She still got two babies in there. She still got maybe some grandbabies back there. You think about that? She knows God's about to rain down judgment upon this city. And they didn't leave with her. And no doubt... She's crawling back. God, no! And she turned when God said, don't turn your back. Just get out of here and never look back. Man, oh man. I know our families, we want to see them saved. But there's going to come a day where those family members are going to have to make their own minds up. And no doubt, her other daughters that were there in Sodom and Gomorrah didn't want to leave because their husbands didn't want to leave. And mama had a hard time letting go of her babies. All I can say is, it was because the only reason why Lot and them got out of there was because God had mercy enough to go in and say, hey, we're about to destroy these cities. You need to leave. And you know what tells me, Brother Darren, they didn't want to even leave? 
was because the Bible said that the angels took Lot by the hand and led him out. God let him out. Man, I, I, there's so much I could talk about right there. I, I, don't, I don't want to get bogged down here, but I just want you to understand. Sometimes, church, God's going to make us make a decision between family and him. Sometimes he's going to make us make decisions between friends and him. And I pray that your relationship is such as Abraham's was. That you can say, you know, Lord, these things mean a lot to me. But God, I don't want to lose my eternity in heaven when it comes down to whether I have to choose them or you. Moses also had a relationship with God. That as God tried to destroy the children of Israel, Moses, all by himself, stood up and reminded God why it would be good to be merciful to the children of Israel. Now you got to understand, God just brought them out of Egypt. God had provided them manna day in and day out. God parted the Red Sea and buried their enemy in the Red Sea. God had allowed them to see victory after victory after victory up until this point. But in Exodus chapter 32, the people, all they could remember blue was the, 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 the good things that were back in Egypt in their mind. They didn't remember the bondage that they were in. They didn't remember the fact that they were being beaten with whips every single day. And they had quotas that they had to meet. And they had to do this and they had to do that. But all they could remember is, hey, I remember the chicken dinner every night. Hey, I remember the lamb that we had on the table every day. Hey, I remember the fresh grape juice that we got to drink every day. Amen. That's all they could remember. And they went to Moses and they began to complain. Why did you bring us into the wilderness? Did you just bring us out here just to, just to let us die here? It would have been better that we died in bondage. And it got to the Lord and the Lord said this. In verse 9 of Exodus 32, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them. And he said this to Moses, Moses, I will make of thee a great nation. He said, let me destroy every one of them that you just brought out of the, the, the land of Egypt. And then I'm going to raise up my nation, the blessed nation, out of you, Moses. Man. Brother Blue, I don't know about you, but I, I'd feel pretty special if the Lord said, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to use you now. I'm going to raise up out of you, Moses. I'm going to restart everything. And it's still going to carry on the promise of Abraham. But I'm going to do it through you, Moses. I'm going to put these people down because they're stiff-necked. They don't appreciate anything. And they want to keep going and whoring after other gods. And they all they want is the stuff that they've known and all of that crazy stuff. They don't think about the goodness of God. All they can think about. That, that, that says a lot about people, right? 
Because we as people, guess what we focus on the most? The negative. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I want you to think about this. How many of you have ever written a nasty gram on somebody's Google page or on somebody's Yelp or on Facebook you put somebody on, on blast because they did something wrong? Let me ask you a question. When you take the amount of times that you got upset and you blasted people or, or you did whatever, how many times have you ever gone to a Google review page and put a good one there? Think about it. Compared to your negative ones, I'm just saying, think about it. If you have done more positive than good, than negative, I, I commend you. Tremendously, because that's wonderful. But our nature is to get mad. Let me ask you something. How often do you tell your spouse or your children how wrong they've been? Then how often do you praise them for the good that they've done? In comparison, your nature wants to condemn those, but it's hard to praise them. We should be people who love to praise others for their good. I don't have time to preach about that. It's way easier for us to be, you know why? Because we got some nastiness in us, and we're justifying ourselves against them. Because we're portraying on them what we feel guilty for. Makes us feel better. You got it. It's right there. It's in our nature. And guess what happens when you get a bunch of people that are feeling na- negative about how they, they, they're living? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Misery loves company. Right? Birds of a feather flock together. You want to know why? Man, I don't, I'm not going to go there. But, but you want to know why that, that, folks, that folks want to get together and have pity parties together? It's not hard to get somebody to feel bad for you. But when you got something go good, I'm just going to talk from my experience, okay? Man, I, I, got some, I got some pretty cool things accomplished in my lifetime. And I was excited about it, brother. Okay. I was excited. I wanted to go tell somebody about it. And, brother, I went and told somebody about it. Boy, they told me how stupid that was. And they're like, why'd you waste your time? Nobody's ever going to use that. Yeah, we call them haters. But at the end of the day, look, the stuff that I built still working. And guess what? One of the things that I like to brag about when I get on calls about a certain product that I've worked on, guess what I tell them? I got three reports that get printed off and put on President Biden's desk every single week. And I built them. I accomplished something that is affecting, believe it or not, how much veterans get paid every, every year. Now, that's pretty, pretty spectacular in my book. I was excited about it. And believe it or not, I told, I told somebody that one day, and they're like, uh, okay, whatever. And they begin to tell me how negative, anyway. But I just want you to understand, as excited as I may get, Brother Blue, as excited as you may get, Not everybody's going to be happy 
about the successes that we've made. But can I tell you, there's one who cares about every success that we make. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I was on a phone call with somebody last night, and I was walking around in my basement. My family were eating, and I had no idea they were eating because I was downstairs talking. And, and I was on the phone, and, and man, I'll tell you what. When I got done, I felt encouraged. You know why? Because I like talking to encouragers. I like to be an encourager. Does that mean I, 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 I just kind of shun the, the bad things that are happening? No. I know it's real, folks. But you know what? I've chosen in my lifetime. I used to be a really negative person. And sometimes I, I tend to slump back into that sometimes. But let me tell you, I refuse to be negative about all things. Because there is, you say, this is cliche, Pastor. Well, let me tell you something. There is a silver lining under every gray cloud. There is. And if we're willing to seek the face of God, God will show you the beautiful things. I don't like what's been going on around this church. I don't like the spiritual attacks that we've been going through, Sister Cecilia. I hate it so much that I, there, I don't know how many nights I didn't sleep. But there was a night, that Brother, Brother, Brother Mendez, I, f- I fell on my face. And I said, God, I want out of this doom and gloom cloud. I'm sick of this stupid, this stupid spirit that is attacking not just this church, but families in the church, but my family. And I'm sick and tired of the effects of hell. And let me tell you something. I don't care how much hell, hell sends, sends demons to come and stop the work of God. I can promise you this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when I realize that, And when I focus on that, I begin to know that God is in control of all things. And when I begin to realize that, I don't care how mean somebody is. I don't care how much they talk about me. I don't care how much they hate on me. But there's going to come a day, amen, that I'm praying every day, God help them. God give them strength. I don't care what they've said about me. I don't care what they've done in my life. Amen. That may be a negative connotation. But let me tell you something. I want to go before God like Moses did. And I want to lay before God and I want to say, God. Remember, amen, you didn't bring them out of the land of Egypt, amen, to destroy them in the wilderness. Let me let me remind you, God, let the whole world know that you're a merciful God. Let the whole world know that you're a gracious God, amen. And let, then when God heard the voice of Moses, God began to say, all right, Moses, all right, but because you... Because you stopped me. Because you loved this people. He said this. He said, wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, 
For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against your people. Remember what you told Abraham. Remember what you told Isaac. Remember what you told Israel, Jacob, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self. And you said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever and the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do because the man of God pleaded on their behalf hallelujah can I tell you, church, today, I'm thankful that my man of God pleaded before God on my behalf. I don't know how many times God was ready to just cut me off and say, hey, I'm done with you, boy. But my, my pastor, he got on his face and he began to cry out to the Lord, God save his soul. Have mercy on him. Amen. I can tell you there have been times in my life, amen, and I know that I've, I've seen this in, in other men's lives where God will literally, amen, as they're praying for somebody, amen, Brother Blue, I don't want God to do this to me, but I, I've, I've seen there, I've I've been there when God stopped me and he said, stop praying for them. Stop, stop lifting them up before me because I'm ready to deal with them. Amen. And when God says, you better stop. Amen. Honey, I'm, I've got to stop. I, I got to say, all right, yes, Lord. Amen. You say, well, God's not a judgmental God. Yes, God will only tolerate sin for so long. God will only deal with those that are willingly sinning, amen, for so long, amen. He will give them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. He will bless them and he will try to reach them, amen. But there will be a day, amen, that he's going to allow them just to go out the door and he's going to let them, amen, suffer for a little while in hopes that they fall on their face before him and say, God, I'm sorry. Just like the prodigal son did. God, I'm in a pig pen now. God, will you allow me just to come back to the house of my father? Help me just to come back into the, the presence of the Lord. Amen. I can tell you there was an entire church that, that, that a man of God was pastoring. And, and uh, he had invited a man who ended up walking in prophecy. Let me tell you, this, this man can be intercessors. Pastors, preachers can be intercessors on behalf of entire churches. And I'm thankful for that. But this man showed up at this church and he began preaching and he would literally walk down in that church. Let me just say this church was tearing that pastor apart. He was tearing and picking his kids apart. In fact, they were doing their best to turn the kids against the parents. And I'll tell you this, when it was all said and done, they invited this minister to come, and he began to preach the Word of God. And as he began to preach, he was one of those old backwoods Arkansas guys. He didn't scare, no, he didn't, nobody scared him. He walked in the building, and there was a time in that service he walked over, and he looked at a man, and he said, Sir, and he turned, and he pointed out a pew full of kids, he said, that batch of kids right there are going to go to hell because you are destroying your pastor. 
And it wasn't two weeks later, folks, that every one of those grandkids died in a car wreck. The same man, the same man that was bucking his, his pastor, his wife, the preacher came to him again and said, I want to tell you something. Your lovely wife there, because you won't line up and you won't listen to what God's telling you through the man of God, she's going to suffer something that's worse than death, and that is to be close to death and not be able to die. And within two weeks, she was on her deathbed, and she lasted that way for weeks on end. I'm not trying to scare us here, folks, but during that same revival, that preacher went to the pastor of that church. He said, I want to see you in your office. They went to the office. Brother Mendez, that preacher, looked at that pastor, and he said, God said, stop praying for this church. And the pastor said, I, I was taken aback. What, what do you mean? He said, you're praying for this church, and it's stopping God from bringing the judgment that he wants to bring. He was interceding on their behalf. And because the man was standing there, between God and the judgment of the people, God had to send somebody and say, hey, it's time to stop praying. It's time to let God have his way. Let me tell you something. I'm not trying to scare nobody. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to hype nothing up. I'm, I just want you to understand. Intercessory prayer is powerful, folks. It will stop heaven from bringing judgment. Intercessory prayer will stop hell from being able to bombard in your life and in those you're praying for's life. Let me tell you something. You want to see somebody saved? You've got to reach out to God in prayer. You've got to mediate between God and those that you want to see filled with the Holy Ghost on a regular basis. You say, I haven't seen them move. Don't give up, my friend. Keep praying. Keep pressing. Keep reaching out to God for them. Keep standing in the gap for them. Amen. Let me tell you something. Amen. There was something that was missing in Job's life. Amen. And there was, and that was because somebody wasn't there standing in the gap for Job. But rather they came and they judged him and they, they, cast, they cast all kinds of judgmental glances on him. And, and they said, hey, you're wrong. You're judging this and you're judging that. And, and, and you think this of yourself and you think that of yourself. And, and, Jake, and Job, he said, you know what, guys? You can tear me apart all you want to. He said, but there's something I know beyond the shadow of doubt. And that is God knows where I'm at right now. Amen. Even if I can't feel him, he's right here. And I'm not going to stop reaching out to him. I'm not going, may I may have my doubts, but I'm going to continue praying. I'm going to continue interceding. Amen. I'm going to continue reaching out to God. Hallelujah. I pray tonight, amen, as I try to wrap this up, I've come to help to help you understand that sometimes we end up deeper in a situation that began to transpire in our lives simply because we refused to turn to him in prayer sooner rather than later. Amen, James tells me that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, of 
faileth much. Uh, James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that God, that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit Amen. Let me tell you what he's trying to tell us. Hey, if Elijah can pray and ask God to stop the rain, amen, and he can pray to God again to send the rain and it happens, hey, what about you? Amen. He was just like you are. He was subject to like passions just like you and me. Amen. He he dealt with his own flesh just like you and me. But when he prayed, God answered. The effectual the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. To have effectual fervent prayer, we've got to be active or involved in prayer. Often, when we do, we've got much power. When we're praying with, with much fervency, we have much power. Considering Elijah... When he was facing tribulation, he prayed, and the rain stopped. He prayed, and the fire came. He prayed again, and the rain fell. And he prayed, and he ran, and he surpassed the chariots and the horsemen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Prayer is where we find our strength. Prayer is where we boost our faith. Hearing preaching ought to boost our faith so much it causes us to pray. And when we're facing persecution, we have him that we can turn to. I want you to consider what Jude told us in Jude 16 through 21. He said these are murmurers and complainers. They're walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember you the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit, but ye, beloved, <laughs> building up your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Praying in the Holy Ghost. He goes on saying, keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. People will come, people will go, but his spirit never will leave us. His spirit will never forsake us. Amen. Peter was taken captive by King Herod and was intending to be killed by King Herod. Amen. But 
the church decided to go to prayer. And when they did, Peter was delivered. I don't have time to go through this entire passage, but if you're taking notes or you want to read it later, Acts chapter number 12, verses 1 through 12. Amen. Peter was taken to prison, and the church went to praying. And all of a sudden, an angel showed up in the prison house, and he said, hey, come on, Peter, let's go. And as they walked out, all of the gates opened of their own accord, the Bible said. And Peter went to the house where he knew the church was praying. And he knocked on the door, and they finally let him in. Amen. God answers the prayer of those who intercede. Amen. He answers the prayer of those that are uh, praying fervently and effectually. Hallelujah. Because the effectual, fervent prayer of the church. Uh, amen. The man of God was set free from the bondage of the enemy. Hallelujah. My, my, my. Hallelujah. I want to I wrap this up. Amen. I, 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 my God. My goodness. Help us, Jesus. I hope you get what I'm trying to tell you tonight. There's so much, there's so much that we can accomplish as a church if we learn how to pray fervently, if we learn how to pray consistently, if we learn how to seek the face of God. No matter what is going on in our life, we need his power. And the only way we're going to get the boldness to do what he's asking us to do is by being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. By building up our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, spirits in this world, they want to take us and they want to mess with our hearts and our minds. They want to, dis they want to destroy what we have in God. But I can promise you this, your prayer can destroy that. Your prayer can destroy that effect in your life. Hallelujah. My, my, my. Sometimes I don't understand why. Sometimes I don't understand the reasoning that God is using to do what God is doing. But when I go to the Lord in prayer, most of the time he doesn't tell me why. But he gives me peace in my situation. Every single time. If we're praying, if we're interceding, it is then that all things work together for the good. Amen. It is then that all things work together for the good. Closing with this scripture. This is what we opened our message with tonight. Romans chapter 8 verse 24 through 28. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself, this is praying in the Holy Ghost, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And it's because of all this, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to 
his purpose. My life with God, my relationship with God depends on one thing, my communication with him. Intercessory prayer, my friend, that's what's going to save your family. Intercessory prayer, my friend, that's what's going to tear the enemy's camp down in your life. Intercessory prayer is what's going to deliver you from the attacks of every devil that may try to hinder you. And let me tell you something. Intercessory prayer will give you the power over your own mind through the Holy Ghost. We need it. We need it. Amen. Let's stand before God tonight. And let's reach out to heaven right now. Can we do that? God, help me. Lord, help the seed of your word of intercessory prayer come into my heart and allow it to affect me in such a mighty way that you would give me strength, that you would help me, and that you would lead me and guide me. God, that you would help me this day, Lord, to walk according to your will. My God, I want to be closer to you than ever before. God, I thank you for the time that you meet with me. Jesus, can we just love the Lord for just a moment? I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word today, God. You're so good to us, Jesus. Ooh. 
today I love you today hallelujah Jesus I want to draw close to the Lord I want to draw close to him like I've never been before hallelujah he's so faithful he's so good he's such a righteous God and he is my ever-present help in time of need (laughs) oh I love him can we love him right now one more time I feel his touch right now thankful for his goodness tonight. Truly, I need him more than anything else. I need him more than anything else. He's been good. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for responding to the word of God. Amen. That's what we come for, is to let him minister to us. Amen. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a Christmas service and a Christmas dinner. I don't know entirely what the service is going to consist of, except for I know what I'm preaching that day. Amen. God's been dealing with me the whole week this week. I said, God, when am I going to preach this? And I felt felt like uh, we're going to endeavor to preach that that weekend. I'm hoping that we get this place filled with people that need God. Amen. I want to see their lives changed. I want to see their lives changed. That's going to happen on December the 18th. And uh, also, I keep trying to remember to send out a message to figure out what service or what what day would be best for a church planning session. 
I'm almost to the place where I, I'm, I'm thinking we may have to just do it on a, on a Wednesday night and just take, a, take some time to, to, to make some plans together. And that way I'm not taking away from your time with family during this time of year.